I would like to be surprised. This is me trying to be surprised. Stop it. Welcome. Welcome to the Naked Apple. Uh, Mikeless again, but we're in studio. Isn't that? Nope. No, it's nope. not. It is not that, but yep. it is that. I'm excited that we're not doing it digitally this week. <laughs> it sounds much better when we don't. Uh, Keith is Keith is at the helm with the buttons. I get to push buttons. I'm he, excited. He's the button pusher in chief. So if you feel like you've been... Offended in some way, it is Keith's fault because he pushed all the right buttons. <laughs> or all the wrong buttons. Like the record button. <laughs> <laughs> That's the crucial one. We figured that out first. <laughs> kind of like uh, when I first started machining and uh, the guys walked me around showing me how to, what works on what on the machine and all this stuff. And at the very end of all of it, he said, like, Oh, yeah, the big red one, that's the emergency stop in case something bad happens. <laughs> I feel like that should have been the first button I was told. <laughs> yes, it is the first you should have been told about. But yeah, we found the emergency button, which is red, which means go. No, like when you push it, it means stop. It is currently red, and when you push it, it stops the recording. <laughs> that's how it works. Yes, 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 yes. It's backwards. <clears throat> it makes sense in my head. It makes sense in my head. <laughs> well, we got a uh, humanistic uh, episode for you this week because, you know, human is as human does. Right, Keith? Yeah, exactly. Well, again, <laughs> so, it's our it's our new format. We're going to go through the articles and then have like a, a more prepared segment at the end that isn't quite as related to like what's currently in the headlines. Or it could be. Well, yeah, in this case, <laughs> it just depends. It more, on, it's more overarching. Let's put it that yes, way. It's yes. not this week's headlines. It's overarching. Yes. Yes. So we're, we're trying that, um, again, format out again. I like it better. <clears throat> Allows for a more focused conversation on something while also keeping up to date on the dumpster fire. That is our world, but the focus topics could delve us deeper into uh, what may have caused the dumpster fire. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, before we get into all that, of course, we have to have our daily dose of a vitamin B. You don't do it as well as Mike, but No, I do not. But uh, <laughs> if you push that sound oh, right, music. Right. Wrong one. Well, that's your intro today. <laughs> But it's the wrong one. Okay, okay, it's okay. To be news. All right, I'll do this one. Oh, welcome to your vitamin the B. This is Robert filling in for Ecom. This week, Hunter Biden heads to to into Georgia forest in search of cocaine bear. <laughs> <laughs> a man has regretted transitioning 
to a woman after seeing the line for the restroom. <laughs> In Southern California, they're dealing with some Awful weather events. They've recently been covered in six feet of global warming. What with all the uh, white substance that has mysteriously fallen out of the sky in a place they were told we were never see again. Oh, it's snowing in California. It is. Oh, didn't six, hear about that. Six feet of global warming fell right on top of them. Hmm. A huge win for privacy in Texas as they have legalized shooting Google Maps car on site. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci is a little jealous as of late, um, seeing as how China is now getting all of the credit for creating COVID. <laughs> I was there first. I told them, <coughs> uh, fine print. Well, he funded it. <laughs> yes. The fine print in student loan forgiveness contract, uh, that recipients fail to overlook has them signed up to two years of service in the Ukrainian army. <laughs> yes, your loan is forgiven at a price. And finally, Mayor Lightfoot lays blame of recent crime wave on Trixie Hobbitses. <laughs> this, <laughs> this has been... <laughs> Vitamin B. Oh, that was the best one. Music. Oh. Yes. A little slower on that one. It's all right. You'll get the feel of it eventually. <laughs> eventually. But not this episode. But not. But it's not this day. <laughs> Speaking of hobbits. <laughs> Trixie Hobbits. <laughs> that one's going to keep me going for a while. That, that that's the one I burst out about before we started was seeing that headline. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> All right. So uh, the bushel this week. I didn't have time to record beforehand, so I'm just going to have to blaze through live. Screw it. We'll do it live. I like it live. <laughs> So, and still don't have an intro or anything like that figured oh, out. Do you so. want me to just, I don't know, just, find one? just kind of cycle through and hit a random button? That'll be the intro. How's that? All right. Let me find a good intro. Um, how about this one? Thanks, Satan. Uh, it's subtle, actually. All right. Let's Perfect. go with that one. Let's go with that one. Perfect. <laughs> Brought to you by Satine, this week's Daily Bushel. WebMD wants you to know that getting the COVID vaccine is actually good for your heart health. Heart health. Which seems a bit odd, seeing as how the vaccine that they are talking about has an accepted side effects of heart-related issues. That's listed in the side effects, isn't it? Primary, I mean, primary of which being a myocarditis, which leads to heart attacks. Well. But if you get more of it, then it prevents the heart attack, apparently. Oh, well, you know, just get more of it. <laughs> If something is really bad for you, just eat, get more of it, and it'll it'll get better. A German paper has uncovered that Pfizer fabricated their trials to make their vaccine appear more safe and effective than it actually is. Whoa, whoa, what? They, uh, uh, Die Welt, 
A paper based in the home country of Pfizer's partner, BioNTech, revealed last week in a long expose what many of us have long known. All those, this is according to uh, Daniel Horowitz. Ah. With conservative review. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar <clears throat> with his work. Good um, stuff. All those sudden deaths, heart attacks, and strokes we've been witnessing over the past two years were indeed observed during the Pfizer clinical trial that supposedly showed the shots to be 100% safe and effective. The company simply covered up the severe adverse events by kicking those participants out of the trial and or suggesting without evidence that the deaths had nothing to do with the experiment. <clears throat> Doing what a good statistician does... When you don't like the results, get rid of the data that you don't like. Yeah. Diewelt reports on August 31st, 2020, 53 of those in the trial in Buenos Aires were unblinded and removed from the trial against the protocol, which calls for this which calls for this only in emergencies, unless this was indeed an emergency. By the end of the second dose, a further 200 individuals were removed from the trial, meaning that overall more than 250 of the original 1,231 participants were terminated, thereby making the entirety of the data from the largest trial site irrelevant to use in the final trial results. So there were 12,000 participants? 1,200 participants. Oh, 1,200? And they kicked out 250? Uh-huh. So they kicked out like 20% of their sample? Yeah. In the largest <laughs> trial they did. Overall, 21 participants in Pfizer's phase three trial died as compared to 17 in the control group before they were unblinded. Three of them died out of 1,200? 20, 21 participants in Pfizer's phase three trial died as compared to 17 in the controlled group before they Gosh. were unblinded, which should have been a red flag before the shot ever took off. Pfizer claimed there was no evidence anyone died from the vaccine, but after it's been revealed that a number of people in the trial suffered heart ailments and strokes, the company's defense holds no water. Yet here we are over two years later and the shots are still on the market, promoted like manna from heaven and even mandated in most hospitals and universities, including in red states. How is this not the topic uh, how is this not the top public policy issue of our day? Is just a snippet. Where, where, where is David Horowitz getting his information from? Do you, do you Daniel know that? Hor uh, Daniel Horowitz? He's getting it from the German paper Die Welt that did a big expose on it. He has to go international. Sheesh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As well as data from the Scottish government and others. Speaking. This, this is a like this is a bombshell, man. Speaking of. Wall Street Journal, the date matters, in my opinion. February 26th released that the Energy Department um, has concluded that the COVID pandemic most likely arose from a laboratory leak. Huh. I'm shocked. Huh. Oh, my gosh. If only we knew huh. that before. What's funny is CNN reported on this, and they pointed out that, you know, they're not confident in it. They just, they're low confidence in that being the theory. So it's nothing really to look at. But they're also ignoring the FBI months and months ago with medium to high confidence saying it came from a lab. Am I sh saving my comments for the end? Yes. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll hold my tongue on this one. Um, two days before that was released, uh, China said it is weighing options of sending drones and ammunition to Russia uh, for the Ukraine war. Terrific. Also a couple of days ago, a couple of days before that, um, on the 24th of February, 
a Chinese jet fighter was shadowing U.S. Navy plane over South China Sea, got within 500 feet, and warned the plane to keep a safe distance or they will be intercepted. Those two incidents have nothing to do with U.S. government officially coming out and saying it probably came from China. Moldova. Ever heard of it? No? Um, no? No. No. Nobody has. Why? Because it's this teeny tiny country next to Ukraine, which nobody could point to on a map <laughs> until now. Even then, probably still not. Moldova... <clears throat> According to CNN, why Moldova fears it could be next for Putin? Well, he did say in his speech that he gave on the same day that Joe Biden gave his speech in Ukraine that he's annexing Moldova, um, recognizing it as part of Russia. <laughs> so, uh, next all, target. All your base are belong to us. <laughs> Uh, excuse me, we're a, we're an independent republic. Um, yeah, Putin doesn't care. Why does he not care? Well, Ukraine and Russia have been firing off mortar shells at each other or artillery shells at each other for the last year at the rate of about twenty to thirty thousand a month. That's, that's a lot. lot that's, that's a lot, a lot, of, lot of shells. It's <laughs> a lot of shells. Um, or uh, sorry, a week, twenty to thirty thousand a week. Um, now, uh, CNN will tell you, um, tells you that, uh, Moldova is in a bunch of political upheaval and stuff because they're unstable and blah, 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 Russia stuff involved. I don't know. There's a little strip of Moldova that's occupied by Russian sympathizers. <coughs> um, and that's why it's such a big deal. But... Like I said, lobbing artillery at each other at a very high rate. Um, in Moldova, the largest illegal arms depot resides there. And also the largest in Eastern Europe. It, just in general. Not just illegal, but also Eastern Europe. The largest what? Arms depot. Oh. It's filled with weapons and ammunition. Specifically, artillery shells. Multiple... It's uh, about 20,000 tons of weapons and ammo are stored at the warehouse. 57% are obsolete and can't be used or transported because it's from the Cold War era. And so they have uh, Russia has their eye on that in Moldova. Russia has their eye on that. They have sympathizers that are protecting it. Ukraine has around 20,000 troops on the border of Ukraine and Moldova. Russia is trying to figure out how to airlift supplies and troops to this warehouse. And... Uh, if you look at a map of it, of uh, in the links that I have, the warehouse is just a few miles away from Ukraine. Terrific. And uh, the 101st Airborne, in case you're interested, stationed in Romania, which is on the opposite border of the Ukraine-Moldova border. You know, no big deal. Back at home... The Coven, also known as The View. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they had a bold take. Uh, they said the train derailment in Ohio is Trump. It, it's Trump's fault and his voters' fault for voting for Trump. Just like everything else. Which is why the train derailed. Yep. 
they point to safety regulations and all this stuff that Donald Trump mm. supposedly got rid of. However, the claim was so absurd that PolitiFact, New York Times, um, what's the other one? Washington Post or something like that. All fact-checked them and said, uh, no, his Trump stuff had nothing to do with that. That was other. That was actually an Obama-era thing. Wrong, 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 wrong. <laughs> wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. And with that perfectly timed <laughs> button push, that is your weekly bushel. Ha! I need a drink. Fantastic. While I get a drink, what's the worst of the worst there? All right. So my options are uh, they falsified data during phase three trials of that the vaccine uh-huh. where they literally just threw out all the participants that had adverse effects. Is that bad? So that's one. You think that's um, a bad thing? <laughs> my other option is uh, the Wuhan lab leak theory is gaining mainstream like a government, it was a government agency, wasn't it? The Energy Department. <coughs> Before yeah. them, the FBI also uh, said concluded that that, that that was the most likely effect, or uh, Moldova could start World War Three. Between those, <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see: mass genocide, mass genocide, <laughs> or. Probably mass genocide. Uh, let's <laughs> let's go with the the Wuhan lab leak theory um, is becoming mainstream. So, do you guys remember when if you suggested that it came from the genetics the uh, virus virus lab in Wuhan, you were going to be banned from social media or censored or whatever? I'm almost certain one of our. YouTube things was shut down because because we because we mentioned that. Well, what are they going to do now? <laughs> uh, post this to YouTube. See what they do this time. Oh, uh, I, I always post it to YouTube, and we'll see if they actually shut this one down. It'll be interesting because they seem to follow the WHO more than they follow national law or mm. the U.S. law and stuff. They care more about. The World Health Organization. It's almost like they're selectively enforcing their policies. <laughs> no. Anyway, um, so yeah, let, let's let's talk about this. So um, again, my understanding is it's it's been kind of obvious from the beginning that there was a... Just because it's been over three years and they haven't found a single animal infected with COVID-19 naturally doesn't mean... So you're saying they never found a bat infected with COVID-19. Naturally. And I believe also fairly early on, although I didn't hear about this until recently, but um, fairly early on, apparently there were like scientists that were coming to like the government authorities and they're like, yeah, we've been looking at the sequence. It looks engineered to us. Uh Yeah. Uh, It's in the emails to Anthony Fauci. And so Fauci knew about it right at the beginning. Yeah, makes. <laughs> I mean, I, I would like to be surprised. This is me trying to be surprised. Steve Dace so, is not a, a sponsor of our show in any way, shape, or form. However, trialsandexecutions.com or whatever it is, and pick up his book, uh, Rise of the Fourth Right. <clears throat> right. <laughs> well, I just finished Glenn Beck's uh, The Great Reset. That's a good one. I started that. I got angry. 
I set it down. I know. <laughs> it, it makes... Anyway, I got through it. And I'm definitely more on the conspiracy th- side of things. So the Wuhan lab leak is the, the mainstream theory now. I think what's next is the Wuhan lab unleashment intentional... Is when... That's uh, that's the next on the docket. Not saying I have any like definite proof, but uh, I find some things very suspicious when I add everything my, up. My favorite is uh, early on when trying to talk to people that I used to respect their opinion on, because <laughs> they they're educated, quote unquote, is pointing out to them of. Uh, well, this, this had to have come from a, a lab because they, they're not finding the animal that it originated from. Well, it came from a bat at a wet market. The bat they're talking about lives thousands of miles away and they don't serve that at the wet market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so right there. Uh, <laughs> so I said, I said it and mm. it had to have been something else because it didn't just appear all of a sudden in March for the United States. <clears throat> it's sure did. It started in January. No, because then it'd be COVID-20. The reason why it's called COVID-19 is because it was found in 2019, which means that it was spreading around long before January 2020. Yeah, March is when all the lockdowns started. Uh-huh. And, but yeah, like January, I think, is around the time people started hearing about it. In the mainstream, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, anyway, uh, so lost my train of thought here. Um, but yeah, it seems like it was obvious from the beginning. Um, now, uh, I, I sent you a clip um, Trevor, like just barely just now. Yeah. Just so then I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of John Stewart, but you know, even someone that's wrong the vast majority of the time, like sometimes they say something with a ba- bit of common sense, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. John um, Stewart. Oh, I can't stand him. All right. Let's see what he, but he, he, he addressed this. And I think this is kind of a turning point where this, uh, where the lab leak theory became more mainstream Go ahead and play it. Oh, is this his uh, yeah, Hershey, yeah, 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 yeah. Hershey chocolate thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let me make sure I do. Right I think there. he puts it beautifully. He's wrong about everything else, but he <laughs> made a good point here. We owe a great debt of gratitude to science. Science has in many ways helped Try to skip ahead. I actually didn't. Of this pandemic. Yeah, that's not true. Virus. <laughs> Overtaking Wuhan China. There we go. There we go. A little uh, bit. Okay. Yeah, right there. Right there. Let's see. Hold on. Hold on. Let me. Let me check. Let me. Do I need to fiddle the, with the knobs? The audio is a little low here. Yes, you might need to fiddle with the what number? Computer audio. <sighs> I don't know which one it is. Should I just so, fiddle with things and so see I'll, if it I'll works? I'll start back here and just. I know it's not the ones with the. I know it's not the three on the left. That I know. Listen, listen. I'll, it's I'll, coffee. I wouldn't I'm, do that. I wouldn't for, do that to you. I'm there a, it is. That one. Yep. Hold on a second. Okay. No, no, got no, it. no, 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 no. <laughs> no listen, listen. I'll, it's I'll, coffee. I wouldn't I'm, do that. I wouldn't do that to you. I'm so what, what do you? Takes, but, but what do you? What, 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 what do you mean by that? Do you mean like well, so this? Perhaps there's, there's a chance that this was created in a lab. There's an investigation. A chance. 
This was back in like 2020, wasn't it? Or 2021, I think. Respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. That's just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then they ask those scientists, they're like, how did this... So wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like... Mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. Mm. <laughs> you're like, no. I, you, you, the wait, name wait. of your lab. If you look at the name, <laughs> look at the name. Can I? Let me see your business card. Show me your business card. Oh, I work at the coronavirus lab in Wuhan. Oh, because there's a coronavirus loose in Wuhan. How did that happen? Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey and then it sneezed into my chili and now we all have coronavirus. Like, come on. Okay, wait, okay, wait, okay. Wait, wait a second. Wait a what about this? What about this? Wait a second. All right. John. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe a steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. Or it's the <laughs> chocolate factory. Maybe that's it. That could be. <laughs> anyway, he puts it so well. But I, do, I actually do think that was like kind of a turning point in the lab leak theory becoming more mainstream because it was absolutely taboo before that. That's one of the great things about comedy because that's, that's comedy. It's taking an actual real-life thing <clears throat> putting it in the simplest of terms possible and also the most ridiculous terms possible to tell a joke that's actually telling the truth. Yeah. It was the last <laughs> time John Stewart was funny. It's the last that, time I that laughed I know of. with John Stewart instead of at I, I actually Stewart. did think that he was funny in The Daily Show, but, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a kind of a big deal. <laughs> Just... Just kind of important, kind of important. Yeah. So I mean, it mean I I believe this was uh, this was actually said by Dr. Fauci or someone in the administration this week. They're like, oh yeah, well you know it's the same lab that your tax dollars have been funding for the last you know several years, and we're like, what? The government admits we've been funding that lab. I mean, I know we knew that, but uh-huh. them like the executive branch admitting it, kind of a big deal. And they've been funding it when they were specifically told not to fund it. Indeed. Because it was against the law to do such research. Indeed. But and then Barack we had Obama COVID-19. reversed that rule just days before he left office. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> okay, so that's one. That's the first one. Uh, the second one, um, let's see... Uh, so let's talk more about the the Pfizer fabricated their trials. Uh-huh. So I probably, like, I, I might have co- covered this because I just couldn't shut up when you were going through the summary of these. <laughs> but, like, just think of how unethical this is to um, be doing research so, to release this vaccine to the public, and then you want to be, like, the holy grail is finding a vaccine that works and is actually safe and effective. Uh-huh. But they're like, 
hey, if we're the first ones to roll this out, we are going to go from a small company to the one of the biggest companies in the world. Uh-huh. So like the incentives to get it like shipped out and declared safe, even if it's not safe and people going along with that. And world governments saying they will spend every dollar they have to get it. Yeah. <laughs> Why would like, you just, not? Like <laughs> I, I understand like the fight. Number one, the financial incentives are there and I wish I could be surprised that whoever makes the decision there, there just went for it. So like assuming everything that this article is saying is true, where they literally had people have heart problems and even die. And then they just threw out those participants from the data and say, Oh no, no, there were no side effects because we got rid of all the people's side effects. Like, like unbelievable. Like that it's like a war crime. It's more than a war crime. Yeah, it's uh, crimes against humanity. Exactly. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. We'll speak about crimes against humanity later. But <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah, it, and this is all stuff. I'm not happy that I'm right about this because I never wanted to be right about any of this. Never. Yeah. It's not. I don't want to be right that COVID that uh, Pfizer does not care about individual people and their health. I don't want to be right about that. However, I was right, and people died. I'm jealous. No, I, um, <laughs> I actually did get the first two doses of the vaccine, so right. I uh, regret. But the the reason I got it is because like I've I've seen that the vaccines of old, the ones before right. RNA right. vaccine, they like eliminated smallpox and all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. From what I, from what I understand. And I didn't know that the mRNA vaccine was fundamentally different and that it like it's never been used before on a population. Most most people didn't. I had no idea of that. And I got the first two doses. And then when the... Most people might have heard that it's a new way to make a vaccine, not necessarily that it's entirely new technology for vaccine. Yeah, like like the other ones, they're like, oh, a weakened virus. Like they put a weakened virus into your system and that gives you immunity. Like that makes sense Using the concept of herd immunity to make people immune. Like that's credible to me. And I mean... It's still credible to me, although I do want to go back and research like the old <laughs> kinds of, I kinds have of vaccines. <laughs> yeah, like that's been on my to-do list to research the old forms of vaccines. If they're safe, I just haven't gotten to it yet. But yeah, like I am super against um, mRNA vaccines um, because they are novel and like they to- they promised us that they were safe and effective and they have proven to be not effective. Like that, that's, that's like not even controversial at uh-huh. this point. And at the very least, not as safe as they promised yes. at the very least. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, one of the pivoting moments for me in all of this stuff was, uh, a, uh, debate I got in with, again, someone I used to respect their opinion on and, it was this moment that made me not respect their opinion anymore because <clears throat> this person is in the medical field. He's a doctor, all that stuff, went to school, all the all the ins and outs of becoming a doctor. He was super proud for, for him going through all that work and all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. This stuff starts happening. I'm asking him questions about it, what he thinks about this, what he thinks about that. I'm learning more and more that he's completely okay with authoritarianism so long as it's doctors making the decisions for that authoritarianism. 
And uh, he would debate me and say, no, that's not what I'm saying, except for the fact that when the um, mandates started rolling out, he said it's for the greater good that the mandates are in place. So that's like literally Satan. <laughs> you yeah, well, you don't lose your choice. You you don't lose your choice for that. You just find a job somewhere else. A job somewhere else that's mandating it. What? what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I I but, understand that reflex to like want to put the people with the most like knowledge and experience and stuff in charge right. of making the decisions. But how do we know those people? are going to make the most ethical decisions. And what does that even mean yeah, according well, to them? That that's the brilliance of Woodrow Wilson that he, that's his vision for the federal government. And it has been the federal government since Woodrow Wilson was, if we get experts in positions within the federal government, then the experts will make decisions for the federal government. Yep. Yeah. Wasn't, but uh, the, wasn't this country founded to elect people that are just like your neighbors, just like regular people? Yeah, which is why Congress was not a high-paying job initially. It was uh, you're paid a few bucks while you're here in Congress doing congressional stuff, then you go home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, the very moment I lost respect for this guy was uh, talking about the vaccines and how they're made, how these ones are made compared to others. And I pointed out... The doctor that invented this technology is been censored for saying it's not ready for public use. Yeah. And he said, my license, if I make a decision off of him, doesn't matter. I can lose my medical license if I make a decision off of him instead of listening to the experts. I said... The guy that invented mRNA technology is not an expert on mRNA technology. We're done. Yep. Because <laughs> yep. <clears throat> he's raising red flags. The world's leading cardiologist started raising red flags after the rollout of the vaccines because he started seeing people come into his office with all kinds of heart things that he had never seen before in ages he had never seen before. And the common thread between all of them was they got vaccinated mm. because they had to, to go to school, to yep, go to college, to go to, work. to go to work, to participate in society for the greater good. But those guys are not experts. The ones that signed the papers that said this study is correct, the Pfizer one here, those are the experts that signed off on a false study from Pfizer. Yeah. Un like, I don't think I can express, like this is, like you said, a crime against humanity. Oh yeah. This did the entire world a disservice and it cost a lot of people their lives. This, this kind of a thing, the way it's developing, Hitler would blush. Yeah. At the power and control that these people have. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. And they wonder why why they're losing credibility. You know, like <laughs> I, I used to not be a conspiracy theory guy. Right. Um, like I was not a conspiracy theory guy basically up until the boosters came out. Right. <laughs> well, really it was the, um, uh, 
Jeffrey Epstein thing like uh-huh. that that put like conspiracy theories more on the map and then the boosters came out and uh, anyway it, it's a whole thing just a whole domino but, effect of things coming to but fruition. like I would love to live in a world where we could actually trust the experts where they had a, a little bit of humility um, and saying like an ex- hey this is what we have we don't know the long term effects it is up to you whether or not you take it we think like you, you know, don't, you don't want an expert that sits in front of Congress and says, when you question me, you're questioning science. I am the I science. I am the science. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't need experts like that because experts like that keep running things into the ground. Like when Fauci was in charge of the AIDS epidemic. How well did that go? Yeah. It wasn't Dr. Fauci. Wasn't he, um, wasn't he the one that was responsible for like the AIDS panic that was like, Oh, you'll get AIDS by sitting next to someone with AIDS. Yeah, Your children will get AIDS. If you have, if you eat breakfast with them, you're and all this other stuff. When at the beginning, just like this, it was known that AIDS is spreading because people are having sex with each other in ways that they should not be having sex with each other. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> Pete Buttigieg is an expert oh, in that kind, in that field, which is the same reason why monkeypox disappeared, in my opinion. Remember when that was in the news? Oh yes, I do remember that was in the news. But then they canceled monkeypox because there was a conflict with Pride Month. Yeah, they they canceled monkeypox. It was not long after uh, a couple of gay guys in France noted that they had the monkeypox, and people were asking, "Why does your dog have monkeypox?" Well, it's just, you know, we, we we like to sleep in the nude and he cuddles with us in the bed sometimes. Uh-huh, okay, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, so. And then children started getting monkeypox. But only children related to gay people. Yeah, so. And that went out of the news. Yeah, and then it's gone. Anyway. It was cured. Uh, oh, yeah, as soon as, like, they started talking about, yeah, children are getting this, it went away. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm not going to talk about the implications of that. This, this, this is worse than all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so anyway, point is, they wonder why their credibility is, is going away. And I would love to live in a world where the experts were trustworthy. Mm-hmm. But when they do things like this, where they literally give, like, um, get rid of the data they don't like and then declare that they had no side effects because they got rid of the um, participants that had side effects and they lose credibility. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Because like, it, here, here's the thing. Like, <clears throat> I guess people might consider me a conspiracy theorist now, but here, here's the thing about credibility. Um, I don't believe the experts anymore. And the reason I don't believe the experts anymore is because they have shot their credibility beyond repair. And And that doesn't automatically mean that the alternatives to whatever the experts are saying is credible. And that's, so that's why I just do my best trying to find the most credible sources. Mm -hmm. And it would not surprise me if I'm wrong in some of those, you know, but I will just adjust as I go. But the thing is, is what sources do I believe? Not the ones they're giving me. And, and that's what's fun about it, too, because on this, on the COVID stuff, <clears throat> we'll use the CDC data and all that stuff. You said, don't trust the CDC. I know. I'm using their stuff to prove my point because it's all there. At least it was. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, it, it wouldn't surprise me if in the future, like all of the government data is not reliable, but we'll keep using it for as long as it's useful. Yeah. And they, so all this credibility is being destroyed and then it'll take decades to repair it. Because the CDC wasn't credible at the beginning. They had to build that credibility. Yeah. The FBI wasn't credible at the beginning. Never should have been. But they built that credibility as time went on. All these, all these institutions, WebMD, PubMed, all these things, they had to build credibility. They had to show, this is what we found. Here's the results of what we found. Here's real life. And it happened the way that we said it would. Yeah. That's how credibility is built. Yeah. That's something that takes a long I, time. I learned the reason why you shouldn't lie kind of early on in life. <laughs> it makes me feel that I should read a children's book to these experts. Well, careful. It might be filled with stuff. Like the boy who children. cried wolf, or in their case, the government agency that cried safe and effective. <laughs> that's something else that's kind of interesting too with the, this guy I was telling you about. Um, in the during the 2020 summer riots <clears throat> um we were talking about police and law enforcement and the judicial system all that stuff and uh uh going back and forth with each other we agreed that credibility is being lost here and i'd stress to him that this has to get fixed otherwise we'll lose credibility in this in the uh law enforcement and the judicial system we'll lose credibility there <clears throat> and if things, and then I brought it back to the whole pandemic stuff, because related to that was, well, <clears throat> the pandemic is on hold because people are rioting for a good cause. Essentially, is what was being brought. That's not how pandemics work, <laughs> right? But <laughs> the, it was uh, what's her name? Dang it, I can't remember her name. But she said uh, these people are risking COVID for something that's more important than COVID to right in the streets with the George Floyd stuff. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, and Fauci and the others agreed with them. of like, this is so important to do this. There's more important things right now. <laughs> and I said, things like that. Also, you can't get married. You can't have right. funerals. Well, well, at the same time, <laughs> telling everybody else, you can't live life, but these guys can destroy a city. That's fine. Yeah. You, no. Yeah, them, yes. Um, and I pointed that out. I said, if this continues... The medical field, which he is in, will lose credibility. What happens to society then if we have no, if society does not trust law enforcement and society does not trust the government and society does not trust the doctors? It's a threat what to civilization. Happens? What happens to society? It's a threat to law and order and just civilization itself is yeah, what it is. If you can't even trust your doctor because of what other stupid doctors Well, let do. me ask you this question. What if trusting your the authorities was not optional? Well, then you're in an autocracy of some sort. Anyway, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> anyway, that's what I'm saying is I uh, like we'll talk about this a little bit later, but like I am suspicious that this disorder in society is actually good for those that are trying to seize control. Oh yeah. Because at a certain point if we do lose like stability and civilization, like wh what do we do when we lose stability and civilization? Like we declare martial law and take control. Right. And so mm -hmm. I'm suspicious that those that are in charge trying to take control 
will use this disorder as an opportunity to take control. They keep poking the bear and poking the bear and poking the bear so until the bear responds, I'm, and then they respond with even more force of, this is why we have to have X, Y, Z. Case in point, the January 6th stuff. Yeah. Again, this is just my own speculation here on like where I think this stuff is headed, but like I, I do... I am suspicious that this disorder actually benefits those that are trying to take control. 100%. Yeah, chaos chaos leaves a vacuum of power and people who are thirsty for power will happily fill that vacuum. Yeah. It's only happened every time in history. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so in, in more pleasant news, what was the third thing? Oh yeah, World War 3. <laughs> World War 3. Moldova. Right? Or China? Both. Both. It's a world war. <laughs> What's so pleasant about that, Keith? Uh, you know, just relative, ple- anyway. Relative pleasantries. <laughs> no, I'm, uh, <clears throat> no, that, that is actually not funny. I take my joke back. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the Moldova may be the next Franz Ferdinand, and it, basically, what you're summarizing in the article is that that might be like a, um, basically a point of conflict that yeah. will make things escalate. So I, I think one thing I left out with Moldova that's kind of critical here of why this could be tipping point for World War Three. Um, well, is it? It's not just because it then be three countries involved directly instead of uh, proxy. Um, so Moldova is not a NATO country. They're okay. Not, they're not part of NATO. Were they part of the Soviet Union before it collapsed? They used to be, yes. Okay. Um, that's why Russia is doing the whole you're ours again right. because of some law thing, whatever. Uh, so, um, but they are, Moldova, however, is allies with Romania. They do a lot of trade with each other and they're friendly and all that fun stuff to the point where they allow dual citizenship. So you can be a citizen of Romania and a citizen of Moldova and crisscross applesauce, however you want in those two countries. Romania is a NATO nation. Now, if someone with dual citizenship in Moldova is maimed or is killed or otherwise maimed or captured, whatever, specifically killed by anything that happens in and around Moldova. That is a NATO citizen Mm. that has been attacked. Gotcha. So a Romanian citizen, essentially, which, again, is part of NATO, which means NATO would have to respond. Gotcha. Gotcha. And what's interesting is... So in other words, because there are a lot of uh, effectively NATO citizens in Moldova, because they have dual citizenship... Um, about, with, a, about a million of them. Okay. That, that would be considered an act of war, basically. It should be considered an act of war, because if, if a U.S. citizen, a good chunk of U.S. citizens are in country X and countries Y and Z are fighting each other, then decide, hey, country X has something we want, and they both go in and attack, and a bunch of U.S. citizens die in that attack, no matter which other country did it. I would hope the U.S. responds in kind of, okay, no, sit down, both of you, get out, out, out. (laughs) You know? 
but it it's just interesting because so if Ukraine is the aggressor in this case of trying to take Moldova and potentially this weapons depot and these dual citizens are caught in the crossfire and Ukraine is responsible for that does NATO take Ukraine's side or does NATO take Russia's side Well, we wouldn't take Russia's side. No, you would not, because that would defeat the purpose of NATO. Yeah. So <laughs> you're left with the only way NATO can get involved with this in a positive light for Ukraine is Ukraine has to force Russia to do bad things to people in Moldova, in which case NATO would have to get involved if and so that would escalate the situation. Yeah, I, I definitely agree <laughs> that there are a lot of paths and, and for again, this to escalate. And again, just a few miles off the border of Moldova in Romania is the 101st Airborne from the United States military, which has not been in Europe since World War II. Ugh. <laughs> are we anticipating it? No, 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 we're not. But Moldova might be the next uh, Franz Ferdinand. Hopefully not. Like, I, I think we've known from the beginning that there are a lot of paths for this to escalate, but whew. It's a... That's a very... It's a hot mess over there. Yeah. A hot mess we should have never gotten involved it's, with. It's been going on for a year. Yep. Now. <clears throat> and we're to the point now where I, I, I was curious. So we spent $113 billion on Ukraine in yep. the... Since they started, Terrific. so within a year, we spent yeah. $113 billion in Ukraine. Uh -huh. Federal spending within the states, the United States, that would put Ukraine at the fourth most spent state for the federal government. Oh, so Ukraine is a state now. Terrific. <laughs> My thoughts exactly. It's, all right, either you guys give us all our monies back, or you are now a territory of the United States. <laughs> Why not a state of the United States? Because that would give you power. Oh, I could see the gov <laughs> the Democrats filibustering <clears throat> for something like that. They're like, these people need to vote <clears throat> in U.S. elections. Give them electoral votes. Well, well, we don't like either of those options. I don't care if you don't like either of those options. You could be your entire country could be burnt to a crisp. We own you. <laughs> <laughs> To put that in perspective, uh, Texas was purchased at the rate of $55 an acre. Well, yeah, but that was like a million years ago. That was a million years ago, sure. In contrast, uh, $113 billion divided by the acreage of Ukraine is about $115,000. I would say we own Ukraine. <laughs> 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 so you want war with Russia? No. No, no, I do not. Although I would make it very well known to Russia is we will bomb everything. I'll do it. <laughs> You'll use nukes? I'll use whatever it takes. Yeah, so how? So back up just a little bit. So if you were president of the world, how would you dissolve this situation? Like what would your exit ramp be? Because um, this stuff is complicated. Foreign policy is complicated. Do you have an opinion on that? The exit ramp, especially with uh, stupid Zelensky. Did you see this the other day where he said uh, um, United States citizens that don't support Ukraine 
can expect to see their own kids going through the same thing that Ukraine's going through. No, no, I didn't hear that. It's like, um, first of all, screw you. Second of all, who do you think you are? Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I remember when he went on the Senate floor or whatever in yeah, the Capitol. And then they, and then he they didn't w- even wear a suit. And like they, how, what? And then they unfurl the Ukrainian flag in the, in the house. Yeah. So, uh, no, no, uh-uh. No, no. So exit ramp. If I was a magic wand president, it would be immediately cease and desist any and all operations funding to Ukraine. Pull out any and all resources. Well, you just delivered this. Yeah, we're taking it back. All of it. It's all coming back with us. All of it. (laughs) Well, that'll leave us defenseless. Yep. Figure it out. Yeah. Well, no. don't you care about... I do care about the people of Ukraine. I don't care about you, Zelensky, or the rest of your government that's trying to get the United States to pay for your pension funds, Yeah, among other things. No. So I do that, and then I turn around to China and Russia and tell them, frankly, I don't care what happens to Ukraine. And then tell Europe, frankly, I don't care what happens to Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Sort your ish out. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, foreign policy is ridiculously complicated. Like, and it the doesn't way I have see it, to be. Yeah. The way I see it, the best foreign policy is kind of like a sheriff, you know, where he walks into a saloon. Again, I'm speaking metaphorically here. Mm-hmm. Like a sheriff of the Old West. He walks into a saloon. He knows that there's a lot of bad guys in the saloon, but he doesn't know where the bad guy, like who exactly is doing all the bad things. Mm-hmm. And so he finds the ones that are the most bad, bangs their head together and says, if I catch any of you, you know, committing crimes, basically, like I'll come for you. And then he walks off. He establishes his authority you know, the fact that he will respond in force, you know, uh-huh. and then, you know, that sends a message to others that they shouldn't, you know, basically mess, mess with the sheriff, basically. But if you take it, a, I, I think that's, that should be the position of America. But if you take it a step back <clears throat> and consider and have a metaphor more of the schoolyard, like a schoolyard where there's a bunch of bullies and you're not as powerful as the bullies. I don't really know what the right thing to do in, in that case is. So if like another country is more powerful than the United States and they try to provoke us, I don't know if the right thing is to, to just go to war or to run away. Uh huh. That's a, that's a hard question. So aside from all the spending that we do to NATO and the UN, which is military type spending. <clears throat> Here, here's my ideal foreign policy. Withdraw. Tell the world we are withdrawing all U.S. troops from all bases and taking all of our supplies with us. Really? Unless the country is going to pay for us to be there. Because hmm. right now we have 21 bases in Germany and we pay them foreign aid which means Germany doesn't have to spend as much on its own military because the U.S. military is yep. there. Yep. Which means that Germany gets to do all kinds of socialist 
frilly Nonsense. stuff yeah. that ends up driving their economy and their country to the ground. Meanwhile, the U.S. military is still there to keep places like Russia from just coming in and taking it because Russia should. <laughs> in the grand yeah. political scheme of things. There's no reason why Russia should not go into Germany aside from moral stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so there's things like that where it's like, there's no reason we should be there. The Afghanistan, the ideal withdrawal from Afghanistan is maintain that air base because of how strategic it is. Yeah. But telling the Afghan government, we're holding this, but you have to pay us to be here. Yep. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And if the Afghan government's like, we can't afford that, you tell the Afghan government, then freaking make an alliance with these countries around you to make us stay here. Otherwise, we're gone. Yep. Because that base was not protecting just Afghanistan. The, it was protecting the region. Yeah. It was protecting it, the whole again, region. Again, it, it was strategic because like, as it soon was, as we pulled out, we like didn't have intelligence. As soon as we pulled out, China came in and took the base. Yeah. China has one of the best bases now in the Middle East because we pulled out of huh. Middle East. Terrific. As, as, uh, along with whatever equipment the uh, Taliban yeah. didn't take. And then didn't, wasn't Biden, like, after we um, pulled out, wasn't Biden, like, pressured to respond, I think, because of the death of the 12 soldiers or whatever, um, to terrorists? And he's like, okay, we'll respond. And then he ended up bombing an innocent family. Yeah. And that's because we didn't have intelligence. intelligence. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. Terrific. So things like that, pull out and tell them, if we have to come back, so that, that Afghan withdrawal, um, announcing a full withdrawal unless they and or their neighboring countries can come up with some way to repay us for protecting them, do a full withdrawal and tell them, if we have to come back, this is a message to terrorists or whoever else, if we have to come back, we will glass this place then we yep. never will have to come back again. And you will never have anything to take from here. Yeah. Well, that um, seems kind of cruel and unusual. Yes, endless war is also cruel and unusual. Yep. So <laughs> we have bombs that can flatten mountains that aren't nukes. Yeah. And, well, and if you go back uh, to the beginning of Trump's presidency, ISIS was a big deal for like a year. It was a huge deal all through Obama's thing, right? Yeah. Donald Trump gets into office. ISIS is a big deal for a year. Why? He changed the rules of engagement. He is what Trump did. He brought the rules of engagement back to what they used to be of kick in the door, drop everything we have, and leave. Yeah. No, ISIS was a big <laughs> deal during Obama, but as soon as we got a new president, ISIS was gone. Yeah. It was no longer a thing. Obama refused to use Moab, mother of all bombs, yeah. which was the largest non-nuclear bomb in our yeah. arsenal. Trump turned to Mattis, General Mattis of the Marines, said, get him. Whatever you have to do, get him. Yeah. And he did. He dropped the Moab on ISIS? Flattened oh. the mountain they were hiding in. <laughs> and they said, I gives up. My gives up. <laughs> I, I remember when he dropped the Moab. I just didn't realize it was against, uh, or I didn't recall it was against ISIS. Yeah. That's cool. Twice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know he did it twice. Did it once. Oh, did it twice. Kind of like, you know, previous times in history when we had the biggest bombs. Did it once. No response. Did it twice. Okay. All right. And that was World War II. That was World War yeah, II. No, there, <laughs> you know, I, 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 think, I, I think this whole discussion that we're having about foreign policy and, you know, um, how things are escalating 
um, in Ukraine and it could lead to something a lot bigger, which is, it's just horrifying. Like, I don't think I or the generation before me can imagine, like, what it could devolve into. Like, it's horrifying oh, to think it's, of. It's bad because <clears throat> uh, Putin has already said the next war is already being fought and it's being fought with ones and zeros. Yeah, so what I'm saying is that, like, the stability of our, our society is very fragile. Oh, extremely. But when we're to, and we're extremely lucky that for the last few generations, like we've been living in an era of relative peace mm-hmm. for a while, um, but it could end at any moment. Yeah. The reason why 2001, the September 11th uh, attacks on New York and the uh, Pentagon, <clears throat> the reason why that was such a huge deal aside from the, mass casualty event that it was and the shock of it all the reason why it was so shocking is because like you said we've been living in relative peace the only other time the u.s had been attacked to any kind of real scale was world war ii yeah everything else had been out in the shadows or across the world somewhere else some jungle some desert yeah and it didn't it didn't matter because it wasn't here and so we got to still have our chocolate, got to still go to work, got to still go to the park, Disneyland, all this other stuff. Meanwhile, the rest of the world engaged in war yeah. all the time. America is extremely unique in that regard. Yeah. And again, if we lose sight of what made us, you know, such a great nation in the first place, I think we're going to lose that stability without a doubt. Mm-hmm. And with the directions things are going, I don't think our prosperity is going to last another few generations like it has the last few generations. We are the only country in the world that has the ability to have everything it needs to sustain itself. Yeah. And we're not taking advantage of that. Yeah. Currently. Yeah. Anyway. um, Sustain itself and sustain most of the world. Yeah. (laughs) But no, we need to put all that aside because green energy will kill us. Or, sorry, non-green energy will kill us. Yeah, that was a, a fun sidetrack. <laughs> well, lots of uncertainty well, into the future, that's for sure. Just one last thing on the Afghanistan thing. Uh, Putin wouldn't be in Ukraine right now if Afghanistan didn't go the way that it did. Oh, so you're saying it's all Biden's fault. Uh, yeah, 100%. Okay. Biden and whoever the mucky mucks are underneath him that are either stupid or pretending to be stupid. So remind me again how that logic works. So the Afghanistan, the, um, we pulled out from Afghanistan and then the Russian war happened shortly after that. Is that is that the timeline? Go yeah. through the timeline with we one more time. Pulled out of Afghanistan August of 2021. Yes. August 2021 was the, I don't, I don't even think you can really call it a withdrawal from Afghanistan. It was just more a, like a retreat, <laughs> a bumbling retreat from Afghanistan. With people left behind. We, we didn't tell our allies operating in the area, Germany, pick a European country, <clears throat> France, all the others. We didn't tell them that we were leaving. They just woke up and like, uh, where's the U S oh, we went home. You what? Why didn't you tell us? Oh, yeah, I guess we should have. We'll send a few guys back to help you out. Why? 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 
<laughs> but you were here. <laughs> you were here. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We just figured we'd leave before the enemy found out that we left. Yeah, and Joe Biden, he uh, he said that it was for the sake of saving money. But uh, didn't we have like more troops? Because didn't didn't Trump re- like reduce the Afghanistan to a pretty yes. skeleton crew? So that and didn't we have more troops in Italy than we did in Afghanistan at the time? That airbase operate operated with I think it was two thousand troops. Yeah, something like the that. The operational size of that base, and it was maintaining the region, was what that base was doing, and that's how Trump reduced it down, preparing for a full withdrawal from Afghanistan. And doing doing all the planning and whatever else in the background to figure out how we can actually do a full withdrawal down to the nuts and bolts of that airbase is what Donald Trump was planning to do. Biden comes and it in, still uh, maintains stability in the region. Yeah, with essentially a skeleton crew. Yeah, and then Joe Biden comes in. Joe Biden he, comes in. He says Donald Trump's withdrawal plan is terrible and it won't work. Blah 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 blah. So let's just withdraw. <laughs> So he said, we're not withdrawing from Afghanistan because of that. And then all of a sudden they withdrew. And then he gets backlash for us. What, what the heck? Well, this is Donald Trump's plan and all this stuff. Is, you just said he didn't have a plan. And now it is Trump's plan. But when Trump said he had a plan, it didn't go anything like the way that you're saying. Well, it was Trump's fault. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's why you're now sending 8,000 troops back to Afghanistan to get people out that you were supposed to take with yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, while you're there, make sure you have the State Department block any and all rescue efforts from the private sector from yeah. flying people out of there that you are leaving behind, including U.S. soldiers that were left behind by the U.S. government. Yeah, I could vent about the Afghanistan withdrawal all day long, but how does that relate to how how did the Afghanistan withdrawal then cause the um, invasion of Ukraine? So after that glorious withdrawal, the perfect withdrawal, it was the best. After that, <laughs> thou showed the entire world the United States is currently ran by people who are either stupid or pretending to be stupid. I'm going to go with the former. (laughs) (laughs) Either way is not good, (laughs) but it showed extreme weakness for the United States. What happened shortly after that? Putin immediately starts um, aggressively talking about taking Ukraine. He says, I'm annexing this. I'm annexing this. Ukraine's like, no, you're not. Yes, I am here. I'm going to roll all these troops down to get ready to launch an attack in spring. Because it's now fall in Russia. And you don't fight a war in the winter in, <laughs> in Russia. Right. <clears throat> so troop movements started happening heading towards Ukraine. China started talking about uh, Taiwan's not a country. Even yeah. more so than they were before. And Taiwan belongs to us. All of that, all of that right. really took off after Afghanistan. Right, right, right. So it showed extreme weakness, which means... The U.S. can do and say whatever they want. They're not actually going to do anything. And uh, didn't Joe Biden actually, wasn't he asked before the Russian invasion, um, asking like that question directly, like what would you do if Russia did a skirmish like against Ukraine? And he's like, well, there'd, there'd probably be no response, like all but confirming that the United States wouldn't yeah, it was some, do serious action. Some pity potty, weak, <clears throat> stupid, dumb, yeah. Yeah, that's why I miss Trump. He's like, like, 
other world leaders didn't know what he was going to do, and so he, they didn't mess with him. He had that itchy trigger finger <clears throat> and had that crazy eye look that he what he's saying is absolutely insane, but he might actually do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There's a rundown of things. All right. <laughs> and a brief history lesson. <laughs> oh. So, like my mom always says, human is as human does. Yes. And so, so transitioning to that... Keith is going to tell us about humanism, and there's going to be absolutely no lines to be drawn at all between that and current events. Well, again, I'm trying to do an <laughs> overarching thing. So the things that I've been interested in is, I, I think what triggered me going down this rabbit hole was, uh, I, I believe it's called ESG. That's the climate credit score thing. Yes, the energy, social, and governance score, yes. Uh, yeah, like that is horrifying to me. And then if you go further down the rabbit hole, there's like monetary modern or modern monetary theory, like yes. why our spending is being blown out and why Democrats are like supporting it. Like there's no tomorrow. Fiat currency. Yay. Um, just all of these things coming together and also just how like the different agencies are in lockstep with each other. Like the federal reserve is supposed to be an independent a agency, but it's basically doing the bidding of the Biden administration. Yes. Um, as well as just to a lesser extent, other countries, yeah, you know, and social media is all in sync and they're in sync with the government, by the way, we've vented about that before. Don't get me started on that. How social media companies are <laughs> in lockstep. Like why, like, why is this all happening? Like, what is the guiding philosophy of all this? Like as the world becomes more secular, why is it, um, like, why are people becoming more united and, so against religion because I am convinced that everything that's happening politically, all of the corruption, all of the movement, things like transgenderism, all of the social issues, all of the political issues are all in opposition to Christianity. I'm literally convinced of that. I think that fundamentally all of the political issues that we're having are fundamentally a spiritual war. And that led me to discover humanism and the philosophies that it um, fights for and espouses. So wonderful, brilliant policies, I'm sure. Yeah. So, um, I did a lot of my own research. This has been something that I've been, um, meaning to research on my own for a long time, but I've, um, been seeing like, I, I guess, common themes in humanism for quite some time. And so I did a deep dive on this. Um, and one thing I, um, one thing I will say, like as a preface to all this, once again, I'm trying to separate what conspiracy theory is versus like what's actually proven. Uh -huh. um, and one thing that did shock me is humanism doesn't as appear to be as united as I thought it was. You know, like it's not like there's a big organization where everyone is united under that. And like, and then the World Economic Forum is under that. And that, you know, it, it's nothing like that. But one thing I will say is that it's, um, world it's leaders... And sounds like a libertarianism. They, sure, they sure. All, they all share most of the same ideas, but they can't seem to unite together. Yeah. <laughs> well, not not quite like that. One thing I will say is that the things that world leaders say, and things that they say in the World Economic Forum, and just generally the secular non-religious people, they all seem to spout kind of the same belief system. And humanism is basically you take the morals of Christianity, but then you take God out of it. Because what humanism's do, humanism does is they profess to not believe in God, but also 
profess to live morally. That's kind of humanism in a nutshell. Does that make sense? Well, it doesn't. And I'm going to get into all their contradicting (laughs) beliefs in a second here. So um, let's, let's start by um, Trevor, if you could Google for me, um, just humanist billboards. Could you just Google Google that for, for me, the, and we can for read the big some? screen up there. Yeah, the big screen. Boom. All right, humanist billboards. Yeah, possibly humanism billboards, but yeah, let's just start with uh, human. What you got there? Let's do humanism. Humanism. This is so. I just want to like read in their own words uh, what humanism is. So pull up the images there and then try to find some billboards. Like these, these should be like street, like highway billboards. Yeah. There's, there's one, this one, the pink one. Yeah. Good works in non-mysterious ways. Um, so humanism is blooming. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, What's there we go. Uh, so it looks like they sh- took out uh, the word without. It looks like there was some vandalism on that poster, but the poster says millions are good without God. So, like, clearly it's an opposition to religion movement. And a couple of weeks ago we talked about Satanism, and I do think that there's probably a connection there. But, <laughs> again, let's... Uh, the don't... Yeah, there's another one. Don't believe in God? Question mark. You're not alone. Visit us at humanism.org or whatever. There, there's actually that's another thing that shocked me is there's tons of different websites. Right. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Bunch of human billboards, but we want humanism. Oh, there it is without the graffiti. Yeah. So, um, again, let's go do. Let's talk about like what humanism believes. Let's see. I apologize. My notes are a little unorganized, but, uh, okay. So some of the tenets of, uh, humanist beliefs, um, I'm just going to rattle these off, um, some big ones, but then we're actually going to look into the humanist manifesto. So that'll be fun. Um, so, Some of their beliefs are there is no God and no afterlife. um, And they believe that religion is oppressive. Um, Humanists believe in common moral decencies, like being kind to others and, you know, that sort of thing. But here's the thing. They didn't. Well, I'm I'm just going to. I'll move on before I start spouting off (laughs) their morals, according to me. (laughs) Um, so they believe that uh, right and wrong are relative, depending on the situation. Um, traditional morning, moral codes are me- are either meaningless or Ill- irrelevant to the question of the survival and fulfillment of the human race. So uh, let's go to the Humanist Manifesto and just read some of my highlights from there. <clears throat> it's it's always good when they have a manifesto. They have a manifesto. <laughs> <laughs> why why do all of these types of things have a manifesto <laughs> from marx to humanists to the crazy uh wannabe glorified mass shooters and all that stuff they all have 
manifestos. Yeah. So one thing I will say, so this manifesto, um, it's the humanist manifesto Two. Do I have a source on the website? Oh, I should. Um, anyway, just if you Google humanist manifesto Two PDF, it'll come right up. Um, it's not that long. <clears throat> um, they do have an updated one called humanist manifesto three. That uh, one came out in like 2002. This I ha- one, I haven't even read the first two. I'd be lost without came out in like 1982 or something. This, <laughs> this one, um, Oh, I'm sorry. It was 1973, the Human Manifesto 2. But the reason I'm using this version is because it's the most clear. Um, the third one that came out in 2002 is actually, it's a lot shorter and it's a lot more vague. So I like this one better. People don't have time to delve deep into their moral convictions. All right. So <laughs> I'm just going to read some of my highlights from the Humanist Manifesto. Yes. Um, so this is some things that they say. Humanity to survive requires Bold and daring measures. Those are euphemisms, clearly. We need to extend the use of the scientific method, not renounce them, to fuse reason with compassion in order to build constructive social and moral values. I mean, on the surface, sure. <laughs> yeah, so again, if you, if you study the Humanist Manifesto, you'll, you'll see that it is full of uh, flowery language, uh-huh. and they even profess to believe in things like free speech or whatever. Yes. But if you look down into what they're actually doing, they w- want to control the individual. Yes. And so that actually <clears throat> repressive. Anyway, we'll get into their contradicting beliefs in a minute. Again, just from their own manifesto. So their, um, their first... Uh, they, they just number these, really. <laughs> wow. So number one is religion. Um, this is what they say about religion. They say, religion may inspire dedication to the highest ethical ideals. We believe, however, that traditional dogmatic or authoritarian religion religions that place revelation, God, ritual, or creed above human needs and experience do a disservice to the human species. So they acknowledge that people that are religious do good things, but... Um, we think religion is dumb. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to pause you for one second here. Sure. Because I, I was just skimming down to your next, to your religion highlight there, and I noticed Marxist was on their paper. I was like, oh, what are you saying about Marxist? Many kinds of humanism exist in the contemporary world. The varieties and, em- and emphases of naturalistic humanism include scientific, ethical, democratic, hmm, religious and Marxist humanism, free thought, atheism, agnosticism, skepticism, deism, rationalism, ethical culture, and liberal religion all claim to be heir to the humanist tradition. Humanism traces its roots from ancient China, uh classical Greece, and Rome through the Renaissance and the Enlightenment to scientific blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so as far as I can tell, I I haven't been able to pin down... um, like where humanism started, as far as I can tell, they're trying to unite a bunch of different philosophies, which is why their beliefs make no sense. Yes, especially when you're <laughs> pulling philosophies from f- failed civilizations. Yeah. <laughs> but well, yeah. Ch- China's still alive. Yeah, and it's doing so well right now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so another another of their... Um, I guess articles of faith, as you, <laughs> as articles you will. Articles of faith. <laughs> um, 
so again, reading from their manifesto, this is in still number one, um, but the second part of number one, science affirms that the human species is an emergence from natural evolutionary forces. So in other words, like they believe in evolution, that is a key tenant to their, and particularly that human beings evolved from lower species. What? <laughs> the science is settled, basically, is what they're saying. Yeah. So... <laughs> I was going to include this in our thing today, and I decided not to and maybe save it for later. I guess now is later. Sweet. Astronomers are shot to discover the impossible from the James Webb Telescope. (laughs) I nearly spit out my coffee, is the headline. What did they find? Well, they found out... um, Uh, I believe it's just the universe is, I I think, older than they ever believed. Basically, their paradigms of how the universe started are shattered. So they found all these massive galaxies where they thought the universe was uh, yeah, where they thought the universe was extremely old because of the time it takes for light to get there. And they found out it's not that old. <laughs> well, there you go. But the science is settled. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's that's the other problem with believing. I, I'm actually glad you brought that up. I think that's a very good example of how if people think that the science is settled, you know, I actually, um, so I studied uh, math and science as an undergrad. And the reason I studied math and science is because I wanted to know if science had all the answers. Right, Because like it was around that time I was deciding if I wanted to serve a mission or not. And my conclusion from studying all that math and science is that scientists do not know as much as they say they know. And if you think that they do know as much as they say they know, I encourage you to go read a book about diet and health. <laughs> Did you know that doctors aren't required to take uh, more than one uh, nutrition class before they become a doctor? <laughs> Anyway, but make sure you ask your doctor so if it's right. We can, for diet. we can probably do that. I mean, on evolution <laughs> itself, you know, I like I've looked into evolution, whether or not I think it's baloney or not. And one thing I will say is I don't profess to know like the, like once life is there, how the evolutionary process works. Like I'm definitely not an expert on that. But one thing I do think is baloney is the origin of life. Like my understanding is science has no idea the origin of life. Um, and as far as like, <clears throat> even if you have the, the origin life as a, as a given, you know, like the part about evolution that says like, oh, well, species evolve by random mutation. And I'm like, okay, so, so if I were to take a computer program that works just fine, and then I were to just pound on the keyboard for a minute, what are the odds that's going to produce a better program? <laughs> Well, you put a thousand monkeys in a room, eventually <laughs> you know, you'll like, get Shakespeare. Anyway, I, I, once again, I don't profess to be an expert at these things, but one thing I will say is everything I've heard up to this point doesn't make sense to me. So so uh, Darwinism, basically. Yeah. A heavy dose of Darwinism. Is, yeah, in the is humanism. And they're trying to create an ethics-based system out of that. So that means that, theoretic, based off of that, humanists would like something like Darwin's book, The Origin of the Species, where he talks about the stuff you were just saying, right? Do you know the full title of The Origin of Species? No, I don't. 
Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection, and then really, really fine print. Or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. <laughs> I take it the really small print that was uh, that was made really small print fairly recently. No, this is the original. Really, copy of it. Interesting. Here, here, anyway, me. did you know Darwin was a humanist? Totally was a humanist. Yeah, it makes sense because it's it's all on par with the stuff. Let me let me pull this up. Uh, Da, da, da. Whoop. Whoop. And switch that so you can see on. There we go. Yeah. Zoom in on that. I still Zoom can't in. see it. Whoop. Favored rate. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Right there. Preservation. Of favored races in the struggle for life. Okay, well, there you go. All right, moving on with the... Like, uh, like a good Marxist, he's racist. <laughs> <laughs> moving on with the Humanist Manifesto. Um, something that they say is they say that critical intelligence infused by a sense of human caring is the best, best method humanity has for resolving problems. Um Let's see. Uh, okay, moving on. The individual. Ah, good. The preciousness and dignity of the individual person is a central humanist value. Individuals, oh, and then um, they, they talk about the area of sexuality. I'll actually just read the whole part of sexuality because it's disturbing. <laughs> in, <laughs> the area, it. <laughs> in the area of sexuality, we believe that intolerant attitudes often cultivated by orthodox religions and puritanical cultures unduly repress sexual conduct the right to birth control abortion and divorce should be recognized while we do not approve of exploitive degenerate forms of sexual expression neither do we wish to prohibit by law or social sanction sexual behavior between consenting adults the many varieties of sexual exploration should not in themselves be considered evil um uh Let's see. Individuals should be permitted to express their sexual proclivities and pursue their lifestyles as they desire. So in other words, do whatever you want sexually. So. Once again, I do think that that has some serious consequences for the family, but hey, it's their manifesto. How, how do you know if something actually is a right or not? Well, let's get into that. Um, I, put I, that put that question on hold. I promise we'll get to it. Because, Yeah. All right, number five. This is my favorite one. Number five, world community. They have a section on world community. It's only all highlighted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Okay, I'm just going to try to read the highlighted sections. Um, we deplore the, divi the division of humankind on nationalistic grounds. We have reached a turning point in human history where the best option is to transcend the li limits of national sovereignty and to move towards the building of a world community in which all sectors of the human family can participate. Thus, we look to develop a system of world law and world order based on transnational federal government. So in other words, do they keep their doors unlocked at night? I wonder they believe we should have a new world order. No, no, no. So <laughs> continuing with this, we reaffirm a commitment to building 
a world community at the same time recognizing that this commits us to some hard choices. What kind of euphemistic language could that mean? Because they kind of just leave it at that. Uh-huh. <laughs> some hard choices. So, like what? <laughs> yeah, like what? That's what I want to know. Like the Second Amendment, maybe? <clears throat> <laughs> Anyway, just listen to the um, World Economic Forum. Okay, so moving on. The world community must engage in cooperative planning concerning... Okay. This, they don't expressly say that they want to limit the population, at least not in this manifesto, although there are some quotes out there. I don't have them, but anyway... <clears throat> Um, this I think is referring to population control. It doesn't expressly say it, but this is what I think they're talking about. The world community must engage in cooperative planning concerning the use of rapidly depleting resources. The planet Earth must be considered a single ecosystem. Ecological damage, resource depletion, and excessive population growth must be checked by international cohort. The cultivation and conservation of nature is a moral value we should... Pre we should perceive ourselves as integral to the sources of our being in nature. We must free the world from needless pollution and waste, responsibly guarding and creating wealth, both natural and human exploitation of natural resources, uncurbed by social con conscious mu must end. The problems of economic growth and development can no longer be resolved by one nation alone. We are, they are worldwide in scope. It is a moral obligation of developed nations to provide through international authority that safeguard human rights, massive techno, technical, agricultural, medical, and economic assistance, including birth control techniques to develop portions of the globe, world politics, poverty must cease. Hence, extreme disproportions in wealth, income, and economic growth should be reduced on a worldwide basis. So do you know who else I think was a humanist? Thanos. <laughs> I mean, yeah. After reading that. Thanos was actually a good guy. He was trying to keep the uh, whatever giant world eaters from spawning. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. He just had poor message. To it looks like there was one part that I, um, I must have not highlighted. Uh, could you, can you do like a control search? F? Yeah. Could you control, do control F, F this? Just, control just F. type in population. Ah, I'll just sum it up. It's fine. It's fine. So also in there, they just, they refer to population control in there. Um, or like curbing population growth. I think that that's a euphemism for, the world has too many people in it. It's too many. So anyway, so that's the humanist beliefs according to them. Now let's talk about the humanist beliefs according to, um, well, I, w I would say me. It is me, but I'm getting my sources from um, a, uh, a content creator in Utah. Her name's Pamela uh, Openshaw. Um, she had a DVD where she like kind of, compiled this so that's a major source on this so a lot of this i think is just her making sense of all this stuff so this is the human belief um the humanist beliefs according to her um so yeah again these are the humanist beliefs viewed from a religious lens. Do you, know, do you know what I mean? So this is us, people of faith, making sense of humanist beliefs. Right. Taking their language and converting it to our language. To exactly. So there is no God and no afterlife. Religion is refresh, repressive. 
Um, let's see. Okay, yeah, so they said that prayer is like an outdated mode of faith. So humanists believe in common moral decencies, but let me ask you a question. What's the source of common moral decencies? <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's related to what I was asking of how do you know something is a right? Yeah, so like traditionally, like, so an, another thing you have to understand is that the, when the Constitution was set up, the government was set up to actually be quite small. You know, uh -huh. and so the government would create laws um, based on basically Christianity. I mean, there's no sense about Judeo Christian it. values. Yeah, Judeo Christian values. And so, therefore, the government and churches were basically interdependent on one another. So, the church would teach people how to behave, like what is right, how to behave, and convince everyone down to the individual level that they want to behave and the government is small because it can be should just be. enforces enforces oral uh, or um, order by enforcing the moral values that are largely based on that because but they're the ones that promote order because people that go to those churches are also running the government <clears throat> and therefore should be following that moral basis from the church and it translates to policy from the government. Yeah. So that's how government should work is like literally like religion, at least it used to be basically another branch of government almost, but it was completely separate from the government, right. but it was essential for order in society because it taught people to want to behave. It taught correct principles. Exactly. And so that gave people like an moral authority and they had an opportunity to govern themselves. Exactly. And that is how we have freedom is like, if anyway, yeah, I, I stay between the lines on the road because I know it's a very good idea to stay between the lines on the road while I'm driving my car. Doing so <laughs> keeps it safe for myself and it keeps it safe for everybody else. And I am free to go wherever I want on the highway <laughs> Yeah, because everyone follows those rules because everyone agrees that is a good thing to do to keep everyone safe while driving on the freeway is staying between the lines. Yeah. And so again, one of the other things that they believe is that they believe that right and wrong are relative. Um, so this is actually also from the humanist manifesto. I think that I didn't uh, read this particular part, but ethics are situational. They stem from human need, interest, reason, intelligence, and scientific method. So in other words, um, as science needs change, right and wrong changes too. Yeah. Yeah, because that doesn't lead to chaos of having a shifting moral basis. An ever-shifting moral basis. So on, on, my, on my question, though, from uh, what you said before, how do you know that something is a right? Or how do you know that something is good or... Or, or whatever. Well, that brings us to the contradicting beliefs within humanism. Uh -huh. So the um, the um, th just the humanist label itself that stems from uh, the divine nature of human beings that mankind was created in God's image. You know, like that divinity that the source uh -huh. of which is Judeo-Christian values. Like they kind of. Um, took that part because they liked it, but also 
And they like emphasize that even today, they emphasize that there's like something special about mankind, but even in their own manifesto, their own belief system that they, they think that human beings are just another animal. Right. There's, there's something almost divine about mankind. Oh, so there's some sort of like deity or entity that's above mankind. No, 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 no. no, no. We just came from evolution. <laughs> and so we're just an accident of nature is we all just, we are. We just happen to evolve smarter than everything else on earth. But doesn't it just feel like there's something divine about humankind? Like I find it really funny anyway. I'll, I'll uh, explain yes, it, this more it, later. It does. So, um, the founders were extremely brilliant in how they worded things. Yeah. Um, in the declaration and the constitution. Um, um, people are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Um, and, uh, they also emphasize, um, the laws of nature and nature's God. The founders do. Yes. And they're referring to God. Yes. Yes. Well, they're, yes. So, um, I just want to make sure I get this correct. Need to look, look up something. I just, (laughs) I read the declaration more often than probably most in the country, but I want to make sure I um, get the wording right. Um, yeah, in the preamble, when the cor- uh, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. Mm-hmm. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. So, they're imploring the laws of nature and nature's God. How do you know that something is a Right. Because the Humanist Manifesto said you have a right to abortion uh, or birth control pills and other frivolous things or whatever. How, I, how I've decided whether or not something is a right that you have because of the laws of nature mm-hmm. and nature's God, however you see nature's God to be, the God of whatever created nature, there are laws in nature, regardless of how religious you are. If you are dropped off in the middle of nowhere, civilization can't be found around you. Sure. What rights do you have? Do you have right to the internet? Well, no. No. Do you have right to birth control? No. No. Do you have right to uh, healthcare? No. Do you have a right to protect yourself? Uh, yes. Do you have a right to property? Uh. I mean, yeah. if you if you go out and gather berries, whatever, it's yours. Yeah, you sure. did you did the work for it. It's yours. Do you have a right to defend that property yes, you acquire? Absolutely. Do you have a right to protect your family? Mm. Do you have a right to think and say and do the things you want to do? <clears throat> yeah. So long, and you can do whatever you want to do in the middle of nowhere, no civilization. So long as you do not infringe on the rights of somebody else. Exactly. Yep. So if you're doing whatever you want to do and somebody else comes stumbling out of the woods in the same situation as you, they have they have every right to do everything that you just did 
However, you also have the right to protect everything that you just did. Yep. If they come in and say, hey, that's mine, you have every right to say, no, it's not. Right. I did the work. It's mine. That's how you know something is a right. Yep. Because all the wonderful things that civilization gave us, internet, healthcare, cars, all of that stuff, you don't have a right to it. That is one of the benefits of having civilization because everyone followed fundamental yep. nature rights. But yeah, because yeah. because humanism rejects God, the biggest moral authority is themselves. Yes. And again, like their their belief system, they believe in the divinity of um like humans, except they don't. They like they don't fun like that's their billboard basically, but they don't fundamentally believe that. So they believe in something special about humans, but there's nothing holding it up. The thing holding it up is actually the Christian roots, the, the Judeo Christian roots of the civilization that they're trying to destroy. Just putting themselves as God. So yeah, <laughs> they like are they, they are their own god. Their billboard is that they believe something spe- is special about humans, but they openly admit they don't believe there's anything special about humans. And also the contradicting beliefs that they have is they endorse things like abortion, euthanasia, and <laughs> they generally think <laughs> that the world is overpopulated. And so like that belief doesn't make sense. So as far as I can tell, they're not worshiping humans. They're worshiping their own egos. Yes. Yeah. So what that means is they believe that themselves is the highest moral authority, which means they believe that. So uh, again, they, um, I don't recall if I said this earlier, but um, they, they believe that right and wrong are relative ethics are situational. um, And they stem from the different situations. Think about the implications of human rights on that belief. Uh They basically believe that the, your human rights come from God. Yeah. And so what that fundamentally means is that if humanism or secularism or whatever you want to call it um, is the alternative to Christianity, what that means is that the more we get rid of uh, Christianity in our society, the more we're getting rid of our inalienable rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we're straying away from the laws of nature and nature's God. Um, another thing I'll say about their contradicting beliefs is they they talk about how like oh men should be men should be free to do what they want or you know I mean that's that's something that uh, Mike said in one of our previous podcasts is that the, the Satanist manifesto or whatever they call it <laughs> their their um, their belief is do what thou wilt. Uh huh. You know it's kind of the same thing. They believe it, it is. They, yeah like individualism is like a fundamental value for humanists. But the reason that's contradicted is because they also need to decide what's right and wrong. And if there's no churches or moral basis for declaring what's right and wrong, how do they declare what's right and wrong? Especially when you say it's situational. It's by force. So the thing that's right and wrong is what they say is right and wrong. And you will comply because that is the only alternative to, um, Basically, uh, like when you create law and order, there has to be a basis for that law and order. Otherwise, you're going to have to force people to follow an arbitrary set uh-huh. of laws. The only societies that I know of that aren't traditionally based off of uh, religious uh, ethics 
is China and North Korea. And look how well that's going. <laughs> yeah. So back. Oh, and the communists uh, or the Soviet Union, but they're not around anymore. Mostly. <laughs> but uh, b- back to my. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> back to my. Uh, back to my scenario of being dropped off in nature in the middle of nowhere. Um. So you've got your little thing built up, and guy stumbles out of the woods. He says he needs whatever thing you have because his uh, wife is dying or something. Yeah. And you, I can't give you that because it's helping keep my family alive. Well, that situationally, according to humanists, that other guy that stumbled out of the woods has every right to just take it from you because his wife is dying. Your family currently is not dying. Okay. But that thing is there to help your family stay alive. It's uh, some sort of medicinal herb or something that um, is really hard to find. So you have it to, just in case something happens because you're in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) 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 Well, I need that because my my wife is dying. I need that because my family might die. Who's morally right? According to humanism, uh, the which is, again, conflicting because his wife is dying, but it's okay because it's overpopulated. <laughs> but right. he's, he's morally in the right because he has the urgent need right now. Whereas, according to the laws of nature and nature's God... I'm sorry that your wife is dying. I'll try to help you find some more, but I need to make sure I have this to keep my family healthy and alive. And so you have this extreme conflict where now the humanist is very upset and saying, well, you have to give it to me or else. That's yeah, not, that's not going to end conflict. Well. Yeah. And, and humanism justifies robbery, theft, Yep. And all these other things. Again, ethics is situational. And another thing that that means is it means that if the humanists in charge believe that they're doing something for the greater good, it's okay to lie. Like it's okay to deceive the public if it brings about the better world. (coughs) Right. Uh, Well, that actually brings me to uh, (laughs) famous humanists. Um, Trevor, could you click on the link? Of uh, humanist of the year in 2021. Humanist, 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 human. Uh, let me uh, switch to the right. If you didn't have all my notes, I would ask you to guess who you thought it was. So <laughs> I'll give the audience a chance to do that. Who do you think humanist of the year was in 2021? If you had to. If guess, you had to guess, okay, click the you link. Had to guess. You got it. Let me. All right, we'll wait. Let me. Keep keep this. guessing show up no it does not do what i want it to do hold on hold on hold on we're professionals here hold on (laughs) there we go all right from the american humanist association american humanist association announces dr anthony fauci is 2021 humanist of the year what a guy what a guy what a guy look at him and his smug little so once again this is a philosophy the face that believes that the world is overpopulated and it's okay to lie um, to bring about a better world. Huh. Hmm. Things so, that make you go, hmm. 
Anyway, some good advice is to never take medical advice from people that think the world is overpopulated. Um, and then moving on on this theme of famous humanists, uh, the next one is an article uh, written by Bill Gates. Um, could you re uh, click the next link there? He wrote an article called A Humanist Approach to Teaching Kids. A humanist. Isn't that, isn't that a charitable man that bill gates Teaching kids isn't he just a peach of a peach so moving on on the uh implications of believing in humanism um once again they have a bunch of con contradicting beliefs because they believe in like individual freedom or whatever but they also believe in control which violates the freedoms of an individual yes so like that just doesn't make sense so that's a garbage belief right there um another um another uh implication of humanism is i think and so do the humanists by the way uh you can't really maintain so uh, let me um again i'm not a humanist so i'll let them speak for themselves but apparently <laughs> sigmund freud um he's the famous psychologist he was mm -hmm. um anyway um he was a humanist and he taught that you can't actually maintain long-term human relationships. There's a lot of marriages that would disagree with that, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, so again, he just like based off of his worldview, he believed that it was just impossible to maintain good relationships with someone. And in my opinion, I think that's also a consequence of believing in these contradicting beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, <clears throat> Let's see here. And uh, just in general, I'm speaking generally here. Um, the Pamela, she gave a bunch of anecdotal evidences to this, but humanists tend to fall into despair as they get older. Why do you think they fall into despair as they get older, Trevor? Uh, something about a God-sized hole. A God-sized hole and also death is approaching. And what do they believe about the afterlife? Um, oh, Nothing. They believe that it's nothing. They also worship their own egos. And as they approach death, they believe that they're this God, but they're also going to die with no afterlife. Which means that you are so not God. I think that like the purposeful purposelessness of their philosophy starts to hit them as they get older. Yes. And so I think that are some of the um, implications of humanism. So, ah, so that was humanism. The yeah. philosophy on humanism, and one thing I will say is that this doesn't mean that I've explicitly proven that the New World Order or whatever is based off of this. No. But I have to say, like, their philosophies, like, what they preach sounds a lot like this. There's some definite parallels. Yeah, like, yeah. I will say one thing that shocked me from my research is the humanist movement doesn't appear to be as uh, united as I was expecting. You right. know, it seems to be just, like, anyone that is secular kind of fits under this umbrella. It's, it's it To me, it looks like it's a group of people that don't want to say that they're atheist. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Oh, and that actually brings me to... Um, a quote, so the early, um, the early humanists, the people that were atheists, but they lived in a very, um, like Christian society. So like the 1950s and before mm -hmm. John Dewey, who was a, uh, very influential philosopher at the time. Yes. So he lived in a world where the populace generally believed in God because, you know, it was the past. Um, back when people were sane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something that he taught is that God means just doing your best and adding to the community. And he was a major humanist, but he was in that 
time period. So he still lived in this world that believed in God and he was able to navigate his way through it. Just whenever he referred to God, that's what he meant is doing your best and adding to the community. Right. So he was a humanist because the community he lived in, if he said he was atheist, he'd have people knocking on his sure. door all the time sure. to tell him that he's wrong. Sure. So anyway, <laughs> so that's a garbage philosophy that has a bunch of contradicting <laughs> beliefs and it also leads you to despair in life and it's um, count like it's incompatible with freedom because the beliefs are a bunch of arbitrary beliefs made by the powerful and they believe in individualism, but they also have to violate individualism to maintain order or whatever. We, we have to collectively decide that the individual is important. <laughs> oh, so you're a collectivist. Yeah, pretty no, much. No, I am not. I'm an individualist. So uh -huh. I'm just, I'm going to take, like, I listen, I am going to try to make an argument from kind of a humanist perspective, like take everything that's appealing about humanism and make an argument as to why you should believe in God instead. <laughs> All right. So once again, um, I understand the pull of going secular. Like I'm a person, I have a very logical mind. I've had many a faith crises throughout my life, you know, wondering what it means to like have assurance that God is real, that sort of stuff. Uh -huh. And like, I get it, you know, like when you pray an angel doesn't come down from on high and tell you that it's all right. Like I to I which totally is, understand, which is a shame really appeal. <laughs> well, I mean, it'd be nice with my life experience. I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, but one thing I will say is the reason they use humanism is because it feels like there's something divine about, um, the human being. It feels like there's something divine about us that it feels like there's something that makes, that sets us apart from animals. When a philosophy like this believes that we're nothing but animals, um, and I'll also say it also feels like um, there's a greater power in the universe. Like one of the funnier things that I find about secular people is, you know, secular, there's lots of secular people that, that are just trying to like lead normal lives or whatever. And when they're making decisions or whatever, they're, they say thing like, or rather when you ask them if they believe they're like, Oh no, I don't believe in God. That's totally outdated and not stupid or whatever. And then five seconds later, they're like, Oh, I really think the universe is, telling me I should do this, <laughs> you know? So right. like they don't, it, it's funny cause they, it's like they don't see the irony in what they're saying. They think that God is outdated, but they also think that the universe has some kind of will. It, it's almost like it's an innate the, thing. The human psyche is fantastic because no matter how hard you try, <clears throat> everyone believes someone, some person has to be in charge. Yeah. So a plane crashes on an island or whatever. Eventually, the survivors decide that person is in charge. Sure. Yeah. We create a... Um, we have little tribal units or whatever. <clears throat> the tribe decides that person is in charge. We create an entire nation and civilizations. That nation and civilization decides that person is in charge. Even here in the United States where we clearly have a system set up where technically not one person is in charge, we still have one person that's in charge. He's the chief executive officer of the federal government, and that's the president of the United States. Sure. Yes, most of the power 
is supposed to be with the people in Congress and all that stuff. However, when it comes down to situations that are pressing, there's an executive to make an executive decision to quickly get things done. And you break it down to back down to the individual, faith-based people, God is in charge. God is the one person in charge. Humanists, atheists, others like that, I am in charge. I'm the yeah. one person in charge. Their own egos are yes. in charge or whatever. It's, so no matter how hard you try, there's always somebody in charge. And that makes a difference on whether or not um, that ideology, that idea, that um, experiment, that government, anything like that, that's what makes the difference in whether or not that succeeds. On the individual level, from what I remember and what I've seen, religious people, people that actually are religious, yeah, tend to have more happiness within their life. Yeah, 100%. Than those that are not that's, so religious. Yeah, that's been my experience. Jesus said, by the, their fruits you shall know them, and I and, think that's very compelling. And that's not to say that you have to be Christian or you have to be whatever religion to be happy. That's just experience shows me people that are like that. And why is that? It's because they don't put themselves in charge. Yes, they're in charge of their own life and all this stuff, but they know there's something above them. Yeah, exactly. That's making decisions, that's helping them, that's guiding them. Whereas the not religious person, there's that God-shaped hole that has to be filled with something. So they fill it with themselves. What happens when you're full of yourself? <laughs> Likewise with governments. When a government is created in a way where the person in charge is the only person in charge, that government fails every single time in history. Yeah. The United States government is the longest standing government in the world today. Why? Well, you just said we have the president. Yes. The president who answers to the people. The people are above the government in the United States. Supposed to be. <laughs> and that kind of relationship is supposed to humble those that are sent to the government, realizing that their power is derived from the people. Yeah. And the people recognize that their power is derived from the laws of nature and nature's God. Yeah. Something above them. Yeah, is exactly. Yeah. So the morals, like another thing I'll say is like, there's like innately, we feel that there is something moral out there, but without God, there's no basis for morality. No compass. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's another reason why um, the theism is so innate to our humanity is because it leads us towards um, a moral code. Um, it leads us to a higher power, which we innately believe in, and it also leads us to our divine nature as human beings. All three of those things are very innate within us. Yeah. And so my recommendation for those of you that can't, are like struggling if you, if you believe in God or whatever, um, I almost think that asking the question who God is, it's almost the wrong question. If you're fundamentally struggling, what I would 
the question that I would encourage you to ask is instead of asking who God is, ask who you are. Because that divine nature is unique to human beings. And the entire humanist philosophy is based upon the innate, um, like, um, self-evident proof that there's something unique about human beings. And I believe that the reason why there's something unique about human beings is because we were created in the image of God and you can discover your divine nature. So instead of asking who God is, ask who you are. Decide whether or not you believe that you're just some kind of accident of nature or if you have something divine within you. And I believe that we have something divine in all of us. Amen to that. I think that's a good place to close it out. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, if you, uh, if you like what you hear, hit that uh, like button, subscribe button, share button, all those buttons on all the things. And uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, something in here helped you out, and maybe it'll help someone that you share it out with. Because there at the end, whether whether or not you felt it, there was something there in what Keith said that is trying to speak to you or someone you know. And it may or may not save their life, spiritually and physically. Yep. Um, yeah. There's a, there is something very special, very spiritual about what Keith just said. And I hope, I hope you felt it and I would be amiss if I did not recognize it. Um, yeah. Yeah. Be good, do good, and you'll find the goodness of God within yourself. And with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. So this is the part where we normally cut it out anyway? No, this is the part that gets put at the back. Oh. Yeah, this is like the bonus content, if you will. Oh, I see. Okay. Start well, recording. I'm learning about this just now. <laughs> you guys don't tell me when I normally record. <laughs> now I'm pushing the button. Yes. Yes. We are in studio, and Keith is learning about button pushing. I have been promoted. <laughs> this has been a long time coming. I'm very excited to be in this new position. <laughs> Until Mike comes back. Phenomenal cosmic power. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, buttons. Uh, well, since this is posted after the bulk of the thing, if reaction buttons sounded weird, it's because, well, we got a new guy pressing buttons. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. The, the, button, the buttons were labeled earlier. Now that it's recording, the button descriptions disappeared. How do I get them back? Oh, oh. Trevor, help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Okay, he found... Wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's the correct yeah. button. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, the, okay. 
the green one. That's the vitamin B music. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. I will try to be mindful of that, particularly during the article part. It's it's worse than Twitter, where you were given 144 characters. This, you have 10 characters to <laughs> aptly describe <laughs> what is behind the colored buttons. Well, I'm sure I can get them to apply to a variety of situations. <laughs> Many of them work almost every time. <laughs> Isn't there a sound effect for that? It's like 70% of the time it works every time. <laughs> that is one that we don't have, but yes. Yes. <laughs> That's how you know it's real. Uh, yeah, I did the clappy clap. <clears throat> Insert Mike's clap joke and or song about the clap and receiving it and giving it. <laughs> He'll be back with us next week. Some lame excuse about, I don't know, something, jet lag. Ah, who cares? Yeah, he's around. He's around. <laughs> but, you know, he'll be back next week. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's go ahead and start with that. that All intro. right. Pushing the button.